Hey, this week, what gets in the way of your security implementations? Two-factor, building a SOC, dual partners with VMware, Qualys makes an acquisition, Forcepoint, Looking Glass have some news, not independently, not together, and beware of McAfee. All that and a whole lot more on this episode of Enterprise Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show where we talk security vendors and aren't afraid to name names. It's Enterprise Security Weekly. Was, uh, the teleprompter now has artificial intelligence, Doug, and updates itself. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, this week, and talk about them as it relates to enterprise security, you're going to do great. <laughs> we're gonna, we're gonna, I think that people think that you and I talk like every day at night. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, what are you doing? It's kind of a bit of an exhausting week. And I think that we noticed that a little bit in the uh, stories for this week as well. IT Pro TV is the resource to keep you and your IT team's skills up to date. IT Pro TV's team solution provides group pricing and access to their supervisor portal. You'll gain full control over your team's training schedule, see individual and group analytics, and more. IT Pro TV does IT Live every day, so you know you're getting the most current IT training. Go to itpro.tv forward slash enterprise security and use the code ES30 to try it free for seven days and receive 30% off your monthly membership for the lifetime of your active subscription. To learn more about IT Pro TV's team solution, sign up for a free demo of their supervisor portal. Are you worried about PCI compliance? Does your development team understand or care about security? Are you ready to face a breach of your customer's sensitive data? See the worst that can happen before it does. Black Hills Information Security can help you help management see the future. Email consulting at blackhillsinfosec.com to find out how a web application penetration test can mitigate the risk before you go live. Back in the saddle again, this is Enterprise Security Weekly. I'm your host, Paul Asadorian, joined on the lines via Skype from some undisclosed location, one of those flyover states. Mr. John Strand is here. John, welcome. Hey, and the undisclosed location is Wheatland, Wyoming. Yes. Um, if you live in Wheatland or know of Wheatland, send help. <laughs> Send help and ice cream. Apparently, and uh, ice cream. Apparently, we've we've sent off the scouts to get ice cream, so we'll be getting that shortly. It's nice to, to talk with you, John. As as we say in the uh, introduction, like people think we talk all the time. You've been busy teaching uh, for Sands. I was just at uh, Black Hat and DefCon. I didn't really. We stayed at the same hotel as B sides, but I only attended Jack's party. That was my one B sides thing that we did. I. I kind of live vicariously through you because um, we did Sands. We are at the Wardman Park where, where we've been for mm. the past like 10 years. We've mm -hmm. been there for a long time. And it was like, oh, crap. Paul and Bo are at Batista's Hole in the Wall. Oh, crap. But Paul's getting cigars at that really that place that is really good, um, uh, like Moscow Mules. It's like, God, I wish I was there. We missed you. We did miss you, especially at Batista's. Like, Bo and I had like a moment of silence uh, for you. It was a special remembrance because that's like your favorite restaurant in Vegas. Is Gordy still there? What's that? Is Gordy there, the accordion player? Uh, you know, there was not. We were there towards the end. Like, they were getting ready to close uh, as we were finishing dinner. So I think Gordy had to go home probably and go to bed. So it was, yeah. it was, it was fun. I mean, there's a lot of things. A lot of things that happened while we were out there, uh, which we'll talk about uh, some of them on the show. John, did you hear about the new IT Pro uh, program? 
You know what? I've been hearing a lot of people talking about IT Pro for people that want to kind of like self-paced stuff out. And it's it sounds like they have a really, really good like set of stuff out there. Now, because I, I've known you for a long time and uh, I know your company very well and how you run it, you encourage your employees to do training. I would imagine that. So what yeah, IT one Pro, of the problems that we run into ahead. is we've we've kind of popped out the SANS training. We have a whole bunch of GSEs. We just hired another one. Yeah, there's no place else to go, Paul. So what IT Pro uh, has done, and this is an ad, obviously, but I'm just going to describe it to John, uh, like outside of an advertisement. <laughs> Basically, you're a company. You sign up for IT Pro, and then your managers get accounts. And you can manage your employees' training. So you can assign specific modules. You can keep tabs on what they're doing with training, how they're doing with training. Uh, it's a really cool program. All our discount codes work for it, provided you're doing the active uh, membership. Uh, so our discount codes will work for the lifetime of your active subscription. And uh, the discount code's ES30. But it's really cool because it lets you kind of work with your employees to make sure that they... I think it's important make sure they have time for training, make sure they're doing the right training, uh, of course, and keep tabs on their process, uh, on their progress, and then make adjustments as they go. So I thought that was pretty cool. Very cool. Something you might want to check out maybe for your uh, employees, John. Absolutely. I'm not sure how much uh, advanced, they're always adding new uh, curriculum uh, to the program. So I haven't checked in a while, but that's something we're going to get on. So make sure you check it out. Um, so Wandera adds two-factor authentication for admins. I added this because of all the hundreds of vendors that were at Black Hat, and I spent most of the two days at Black Hat in the vendor area, um, I, I had not heard of Wandera. And they're an enterprise yeah, mobile security provider. Yeah, and they mm -hmm. are uh, adding two-factor authentication into their, their product suite, which I think for a lot of organizations is, is pretty critical. And I think the criticism that two-factor gets um, is really because people just use it wrong. Like they think because I have two-factor, I'm secure. And no one can get access to any of our accounts when really it's just kind of another stumbling block, but does add protection for certain types of attacks. So I think it's important. Well, and two-factor is definitely one of those attributes. If you have it implemented properly, it's greatly going to slow down an attacker. Um, and, and it's weird. Uh, you, you saw a lot of tweets about a month ago that were joking that Cosmo Teen was recommending that teenagers enable two-factor and use long, strong passwords. And we finally passed the point in life where Cosmo Teen had better security practices or recommendation than NIST did. So, yeah, if Cosmo <laughs> Teen says enable two-factor authentication, then maybe you should be looking into it. And uh, uh, on the personal front, Facebook does support the YubiKey two-factor authentication key. And I did get a chance to, to catch up with YubiKey, so hopefully we'll... We'll hear more on that front. Um, I, I thank them. I got uh, an awesome, where is it? An awesome new micro USB one, which is really cool, which I just enabled this morning, um, which is nice because a lot of my laptops and stuff have the micro USB uh, port on it. So it's nice not to have to use an adapter to do that with. So, uh, yeah. Um, tips for auditing your AWS security policies. John, I can't tell you how many cloud security companies were there and even I underestimated like what each one of them does and how specific it can be um, when we talk about cloud security. So there were some that were more focused on like the data, right? And then there were some that are more focused on 
protecting your software as a service. And there were some I met with that did a, a great job at that. Then there were some that were more like in the CASB market, talking about really vulnerability management coupled with policy management and configuration management uh, in the cloud, which is where I think AlgoSec uh, plays uh, inside of this space. But it was amazing, I think, as we talk about vendors, John, um, and we say, well, this is a CASB or cloud security company, I think we really need to start qualifying that a little better because some of them are really tightly focused. The big buzz was we're going to support Azure now because we support AWS, um, and that's important. But it's interesting, like, how much focus companies or vendors are putting on configuration and vulnerability management, which is essentially what they're doing. There's more to that, but uh, it, within your cloud providers. And yep. what's interesting to me uh, along the lines of what you do, John, is on penetration tests, like how are, are, we, are we testing this? How is this in the critical path for an attacker? You know, this is this is interesting. Joff has actually found a couple of vulnerabilities. I know Carrie did before she moved on. And it's always in this idea of misconfiguration, right? This is huge. And it's something that your standard vulnerability assessment scanners aren't catching quite yet. I do know that uh, Tenable and Rapid7 mm -hmm. are working very hard to catch up. But some of them are just, like, dumb, like permissions to different applications or containers. Or you have keys for your AWS instances or your AWS keys that are loaded on your Git repository that's publicly accessible. Mm. So there's all these weird kind of edge cases. And the problem is a lot of people out there believe that their standard scanning practices are going to catch that, and they're not quite that mature yet. And I know Amazon is working on trying to release some tools and some products to assist that. I know Chris Gates is going to be releasing some tools here shortly. Um, I wish you could remember the individual on Twitter. There's somebody on Twitter that's released like three, four different toolkits looking for vulnerabilities and also kind of doing audits. And really, this is something, if you're moving something to Amazon or into your, you've got to be able to step back and say, what's well, going to be our audit posture for trying to make sure that we don't shoot ourselves in the foot? Yeah. No, I agree. I, I think it's going to be uh, one of those things that we talk about, not just on this show, but on the other more technical shows as well, in showcasing some of those vulnerabilities yeah. and exploits, targeting people's uh, cloud presence like that. Well, and that's one of the things that surprises me about this is you have a lot of vendors in this space right now, but the fact of the matter is, like we, we were talking about Docker for the past couple of years. There's hardly anybody that really, truly understands Docker from tip to tail. I mean, of course, they're out, right? Mm -hmm. uh, there's no question. But there's so few people that understand Docker that it, find it very dubious anytime a vendor comes out and says they're going to be auditing all of these different things because it's such green fields, it's such a new field. And uh, I, I just don't think the expertise is quite there. So it makes it a great place for new markets and new companies to step into. So along the lines of pen testing, John, and, and kind of on this uh, topic, uh, Logarithm did have a great blog about, you know, SOC teams getting overwhelmed. Um, I also feel like pen test teams are overwhelmed. What's your thoughts? And, and I, I met with a vendor that, that did this, and I'm still investigating. Um, but they do, like, crowdsourced pen testing. So... They have a mechanism to discover vulnerabilities, and then they crowdsource pen testing each of the individual uh, pieces. And I'm not sure exactly the way it works. It's kind of my withholding, you know, some information until I get uh, a better briefing. But what it, what is your thoughts on that? Have you come across that being in the pen testing space for enterprises? 
Yeah, absolutely. Like if you're looking at like Bug Crowd or Hacker One, um, I would say Synac to a lesser extent. Yeah, that was it was. Um, I guess we'll give them props at, at Synac because they they helped me with my my hangover. So uh, for the, if you help me with my hangover, we'll, we'll mention you on the show. They had an oxygen and, bar and cold brewed iced coffee. So I want to thank them for getting me through my day that day. <laughs> well, and Synax posture is awesome. They actually do go through and vet their people. Yes. Like they get tested. You know, you know who it is. It's not it's not uh, it's not ha- big boy hacker pants 101. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just letting everybody attack it. I like Synax model a lot better than a lot of the other bug programs that are out there. But the idea that you can get a bunch of people to look and focus on a specific area and they come from different perspectives, maybe even different countries, I think has value. But there's also the need to try to step back and try to look at the holistic perspective of the organization. And that's where a good pen test or something like Synac, which does this too, which is more like a 1099 fully vetted pen testing bug bounty program. But stepping back and saying organizationally, it's not just this component. How is that organization? How is that component? implemented with DNS? What are the edge routers? How are they configured with that particular product? Are there any other systems that are on that VME that might be exploited? And I think that that's one of the key differences. So if you're looking at something like trying to take an industrial control system and you want people to take it apart, like I would say a good example of this working really, really well, uh, oh, Jeff Moss at uh, DEF CON, mm-hmm. the voting machines, all the yeah. chance to see that. Uh, I yeah, did not. I caught yeah. up with Jeff like very briefly in passing just to say hello, um, which was just amazing that I was able to, we were actually able to see each other for the brief 60 second interaction as for both. You know, obviously, he's really busy. Uh, we are as well. Um, but all I've been reading about from DEF CON is this, this voting machine hacking thing. Yeah, and it hasn't quite hidden the level of critical mass that I wish it would. That it was like front page news, but it should be. But I think that's a good example. Get a whole bunch of really outstanding people and let them focus on a technology to field strip it and take it apart. I think that's an effective use. If you're an enterprise and you're like, well, we've got this Oracle web portal that we're standing up or we're using Oracle middleware or something in our organization, we're going to hire a bunch of people in a bug bounty program to test just that component. I disagree. I don't think that it's going to be that effective because most of the vulnerabilities that are discovered are actually vulnerabilities in the ecosystem and how it's implemented, not the device or software package itself. Yeah. Um, Logarithm, uh, this looks like this links to a white paper, um, but they'll get you thinking about how to build a sock with limited resources. You know, this is probably an entire segment on the show. I don't know if we've done one on this particular topic, um, but how to do it with limited resources, I thought was an interesting take. uh, And that white paper is available. Logarithm is one of our sponsors as well. So, Well, and I try so hard, so hard to hate all sim vendors. And it isn't just that Logarithm is a vendor that's sponsoring the show. But if you look at what Logarithm's doing, I think that we've highlighted a couple of their papers on the show that have been spot on. And also they have a free product that they give away that's just cool. And that's that's just a good approach. So I think that they're probably one of the good ones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, Duo partners with VMware. I, I really didn't have much more information there, John. I don't know if you saw that story. I know you're kind of uh, un- in today. I didn't get today. a chance to read it. Yeah, I kind of fly through this stuff as quickly as possible, and I haven't had a chance to look at it too much. Um, but it seems to me like it's focusing on like the siloed on-prem cloud uh, integration authentication, which is cool. Uh, but no, it just looks like they actually have the hooks that they're tying into VMware, VMware's products, which ties back to the two-factor authentication. Two-factor everywhere, all the time. That's what you 
Um, Qualys made an interesting uh, acquisition, and we haven't heard much from Qualys uh, in some time, uh, which I think is interesting. That when you look at the the three big vendors in vulnerability management, of course, I used to work for Tenable Network Security. I think Tenable's done a fantastic job. Of course, they're a sponsor, right? But they've done a great job with Tenable IO in really being. Uh, like having the lion's share of technology and thought leadership inside of a vulnerability management program, uh, you know, they, and it's one that scales out to uh, an enterprise. Uh, and that's kind of how I classify them today. And they're continuing to add on to that platform, which I think is great. Um, Rapid Seven's kind of diversified a little bit. Um, they've made some nice acquisitions over time. They really hit not just the mid-market, but I also think small enterprise security teams and having a really nice full suite uh, of products that extend vulnerability management and can supplement that with some services as well. So they're doing a great job in that type of market. Qualys, in my opinion, has kind of lagged behind a little bit on technology. However, their recent acquisition um, is said to provide, get this, John, domain expertise in passive scanning technologies. So... It's obvious where they're they're going why after. Does that sound, why does that sound like a lawsuit waiting to happen? Yeah, it could be. Well, and one could argue that some of what Rapid7 is doing as well with their single unified agent is they are gaining some passive intelligence, right, because of their UBA platform, because of the log entries acquisition. That is also, I would consider, passive uh, technologies. They're not necessarily calling out passive network scanning and detecting vulnerabilities in it as what Tenable does. Um, but it's good to see some competition among among the big three and good to see a move from Qualys and, and have them have an announcement. Yep. Because it gives us something to talk about. <laughs> um, Absolutely. Are you familiar with Forcepoint? Now, I added this article. Uh, mm-hmm. They're doing a lot of stuff. I, what is your assessment of... They used to be WebSense and a long time, I think we we're just calling them WebSense, but... It was like a Raytheon. It's a Wraith, <laughs> yeah. It, it was a Raytheon acquisition. I caught up with them very briefly, uh, and I hope to learn a little more about what Forcepoint is doing. But if you come across them, John, um, yeah, absolutely. We see them. I would say that they're one of the bigger, uh, one of the bigger vendors that we actually see quite a bit. And you know, it, it's it's like a lot of these products. I think the biggest problem that we have with quote unquote WebSense, Forcepoint, uh, Blue Coat, any of them is a lot of times the vulnerabilities are in the configuration. It's not the actual product itself. Mm. But mm. this cloud-based behavioral analytics, now this this is something that was kind of interesting. It's kind of, they're kind of breaking out of what they have been doing and trying to get into some machine learning stuff, which I think is cool. Yeah, and it was, it was very interesting to, to uh, talk with vendors. I would basically flat out ask them, what problem do you solve? And in your answer, you cannot use artificial intelligence or machine learning. It's not unless you can name the mathematical algorithms behind it. Right. But you're that's still describing the solution and not the problem. Yep. <laughs> and that's largely what I found uh, is that when you ask that question, what problem do you solve, which is where I wanted to start, everyone would just lead in with what they do. And I'm like, no, nope, not about what you do. Like, tell me the problem you solve first, then tell me what you do. Um, and I found that to be a reoccurring uh, theme, which is interesting. Um, and how many people actually out there could answer that question effectively? Was there any vendors you're like, wow, yeah. these guys got it? So my, my A for the day, you know how I like to do my A for the day, uh, was yep. Amy yep. from Code42. They have a, uh, really? a, backup, a backup solution and file tracking solution. So they're making the transition from IT into security, which is interesting because 
one of my other A for the days uh, also was at a traditional, more traditional IT solutions company. They were making their way into security. Maybe there's a trend that they're able to describe the problem better uh, in companies that make that transition rather than ones that just start in security. Um, but Amy was awesome. Like, I asked her what problem you solve, and man, she was like spot on with all. She was a product marketing manager. Uh, so props to you, Amy. You did great. Uh, she was awesome. Very cool. Uh, there were some other ones as well, and you'll, you'll hear about those. Um, so McAfee Security Scan Plus had a remote code uh, command execution vulnerability. I wanted to point that out as we don't normally talk about vulnerabilities on the show. Um, however, if you, do, uh, if you have McAfee solutions, you need to realize this happens to be with their free one, but largely their vulnerability management solutions are end of life uh, this year. Uh, they were end of sale, I want to say earlier this year, fully end of life sometime in the near future. So there are a lot of people, to go back to our previous conversation, basically in the market going, I have McAfee, I can't use McAfee for, I mean, I could, but there's, there, it's end of sale, end of life, end of support, and those I think are three different dates um, that, are, that are kind of spread out. So there's a lot of people looking for new solutions. Uh, and just be careful if you're going to continue using it, there could be vulnerabilities in it, and that's one of the reasons why you should probably, from what I can remember from the time frame, already be thinking about uh, where you want to go with your vulnerability management if you're using McAfee. Well, and I also think it, it teaches us all to kind of take a step back and look at what these different applications are doing. I mean, the big problem with this is that it was actually retrieving elements via ClearText HTTP, which, of course, you can interject uh, interject code on the fly with something like BetterCap or EtterCap if you want to go legacy on that. Um, um, and in the middle framework as well. So with this type of thing, I think that with the shows, anybody that's running an enterprise security team is have your security team fire up the security products, do a packet capture. If there's anything that's being sent in the clear back and forth to that product, it needs to be addressed. Uh, have you heard of a company called Polarity? No, no, no. This is a, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, it's kind of exciting. Come back from, uh, you know, couple of big conferences and all kinds of new companies are shaking out of your bag. Yeah. So huh? no, I had not heard polarity. So they're integrating uh, with Looking Glass, who is a threat intelligence platform, uh, and it brings threat intelligence right to your desktop via our heads-up display as you're looking at IP addresses and other stuff. It's pretty cool. Kind of interesting. There's a video. I think I think everyone should should check that out because heads up display tells me that there's some kind of like VR goggles and that's how I'm looking at my <laughs> my network, which I just thought was cool. So I had to add that in hopes that like you get VR goggles when you buy Polarity's product. That would be so very cool. That'll be cool. Not necessarily. I don't really know if that helps you solve the problem any faster. No, but it's <laughs> hey. You know what? Let Let's be honest. If somebody stands up and they say, look, our product is just cool, uh, at least they own it. That's right. That's right. So, John, um, you were really excited about uh, Tripwire State of Security blog uh, called the Top Five Barriers to Security Implementations. Um, I just, uh, I agree. You know, this article is spot on. Um, uh, Eric, I won't even try to pronounce his last name, Schweigert, Schweigert. I'm not going to. <laughs> Schweiger. Eric did a great job uh, in this article. So I don't know if you want to start with number yep. one. 
So going through this, it's a lot of the it's a lot of the stuff that you would expect to see, like the ostrich algorithm, right? So uh, basically saying, you know, if you're, you put your head in the ground, you don't have anything bad happen, everything must be okay. Just simply ignore it. Or why would anybody want to attack us? We don't get that very often, and you know that's driven by a lot of the listeners that listen to Enterprise Security Weekly or their former SANS students. They they they're actively engaged. Every once in a while, we do get customers or potential customers like, I was Googling around, found your company. And uh, yeah, I just need audit compliance. Nothing bad has happened, so we're app secure, but we just need a checkbox. I agree that that should absolutely be number one. Mm. And uh, <laughs> the central firewall isn't enough. Like, I can't believe we're still having this conversation <laughs> in 2017. Yeah, I, I, I still, we still hear we absolutely do for that. Really? That's um, kind of interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, we've actually had people say, hey, probably sh- we, I know that you say that this is a big deal. We're not going to fix it because uh, uh, behind our firewall, no one would ever be able to get to it. It's just so not true today. And it's kind of scary when I think about the mobile threat as kind of a jumping off point to that, um, as mm-hmm. common as mobile malware is today. That stuff's on the internal network. Um, it, it, there, it hasn't been widespread attacks. I haven't seen enterprises necessarily, and I'm sure there's edge cases, but I haven't seen enterprises targeted by that. But I, I can tell you that's, in my opinion, that's coming, right? As all of us have smartphones um, and we bring them into the enterprise, I can definitely see that as a jumping off point because the juicy stuff is is behind the firewall and attackers will go to great lengths. Uh, to do that. It absolutely is. Yeah. And then on top of that, like you talk about a lot of the ransomware and stuff out there today, they basically are pivoting to try to gain access to things on the inside right now. So it's going to, it's going to get you pretty bad at some point, but that's cool. Security certainty. Well, that's, you know, that's pretty much what we we're just talking about. Oh, we have a firewall or that system's air gapped. Right. Yeah, that's kind of that one's kind of a weak one because it feeds into the first two. Yeah, but the cost that one's interesting, and I wanted to spend some time talking about this one. Sure, and I think it kind of boils boils into uh, ignorance. The biggest problem that I see with most organizations today didn't even make this list, and that's why I was all excited about this list and I wanted to discuss it. One of the biggest problems that we see with organizations today is that they can't sit still. So they're constantly trying to go for next-generation threat intelligence. They're trying to go for um, next-generation endpoint security product. It's almost as though they're abandoning the core of what they have been doing. And they're like, well, AV didn't work. SIM didn't work. DLP didn't work. Ah, crap. Let's go and buy, a, let's go and buy an advanced endpoint security product. And that, that, that to be a much bigger problem because they're constantly in the midst of implementing new projects when a lot of the core infrastructure hasn't been adequately tuned or implemented at all yet. So it's interesting you say that, John. We did a series of interviews, um, largely around a DEF CON time frame, uh, sponsored by a company called Grimm, which uh, you probably are familiar with because of your mutual friend that works there. I know Grimm well, yes. absolutely. Uh, Grimm made a, a product announcement uh, called Crossbow, which is a different, completely different conversation. It, it sounds really awesome, uh, and I got to meet all the, the Grimm folks. Um, but they sponsored a series of interviews with people you will probably recognize uh, in security today, uh, Katie Mazuris, and just a whole a host of people. 
And one of the themes that emerged, and, and Josh Marpet helped us out with this particular uh, block of content, and we did more interviews than I can possibly think of, uh, which was a lot of fun stories from that. One of the places we did the interviews, it really felt like they used to shoot adult films there. But in any case, uh, the theme that emerged was, we're like, well, what, what security challenges you know, do we have? And a lot of folks, really smart folks, came back to the concept you're talking about, John, is that blocking and tackling, right, is how it was described. Or security, not security basics, but just doing those fundamental things and I'm not, no one used the term best practice, to my knowledge, thank God. But doing those like fundamental things rather than going after what's new and shiny, as you described, um, the security experts that we interviewed, that was largely a theme we pulled from that when we talk about the future and how we can get better. It's, we, just, we need to get better at the, I'll call them fundamentals, right? That's patching and configuration management and system hardening. And those things that we do to actually keep attackers out, I think, is really, really important. Uh, and one of those themes that emerged that still today we're not, or, or largely organizations are falling down in some of those areas, yet, like you say, John, reaching out for that next generation, whatever it is, doohickey. And, and I think that that crap gets boring after a while. And because we see things as boring, a lot of times we no longer see the value in it. And that's kind of the feeling I'm getting. So a lot of times whenever I have conversations with customers, I'm like, no, let's not go after a bright, shiny new object. Let's, let's focus back here. Yeah. And it's kind of a sadness that they got to go back and continue brushing their teeth and washing their hands and doing the same things that they should have been doing for security hygiene for so long. Yeah. No, I agree. And even with the advanced attacks today, I think a lot of that basic security hygiene is still highly effective. Um, does that play into ignorance as, as well, John? Uh, are they, you know, are they looking at those internal things, like you said, as boring? Or uh, are they just not wanting to see the value because they are boring? That could be. Well, I think that that kind of feeds into the ostrich effect. Uh, yeah. It's basically, yeah, those things are boring. And maybe if you ignore it, it'll go away. Or it's not going to be a problem. You just kind of let it go and hope that it's not going to be a problem. Um it's kind of like if you're an IT director and you're you're trying to move up to a CSO or CIO in another company, your resume sucks. If you say, I got into an organization, we tuned all their existing infrastructures, and we ran it beautifully for five years. If you compare that on a resume with a potential CSO, CIO, CTO, went into an organization, we implemented endpoint security, advanced yeah. next generation, next, next, next generation. We implemented data loss prevention. We implemented all of these new hot buzzwords. We got our cat to be in order. Then that looks a lot more sexy, right? So that idea of maintaining really doesn't look super hot on a resume. And I think people want their resumes to just look awesome. Absolutely. Well, awesome. That will round out the uh, security news uh, for today. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of other thoughts that I have from Black Hat John that we'll reserve for future uh, episodes and, and conversations. I think the it was interesting to see the conversations about penetration testing. Uh, it was interesting to see uh, threat intelligence and some of the topics we've talked about really trying to take on a different light. Um, so I think there's a lot of interesting conversations to come. Yep, absolutely. Awesome. Hey, and if everybody thinks yeah. that, I was going to say, and if everyone thinks that the show was a bit sedated, Paul and I are tired. Yes. 
I felt that too. Like now I know why you always have the raspy voice, right? Like just talking yeah. that whole time, it just it does a number on your your voice. So oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, lots of good things to come though. Stay tuned for more Enterprise Security Weekly. Oh,